I want to move on to another international issue and indeed another war. Uh, Tyg McNally, there was a vote at the UN uh, General Assembly uh, tonight. Uh, there was a text calling for an immediate humanitarian ceasefire. Um, Tell us about the result, the outcome of that, and what was proposed. Yeah, so the uh, the most the, the resolution was uh, was overwhelmingly carried um, by the UN General, General Assembly this evening. So we have 153 votes in favour, uh, uh, 10 against, and then 23 abstentions. So the uh, the votes against include uh, the United States and Israel, uh, while some of the abstentions include the UK and uh, Ukraine. Um, so essentially the vote was around uh, calling for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza uh, to, for Israel to stop uh, the, the, you know, the bombardment and um, the, the ground war uh, in, on, the, on the Gaza Strip uh, and for a more essentially stronger protections for civilians who were, who were living on the Strip who, you know, who, you know, at the minute we're seeing over 18,000 people who've, civilians who have died in, in the Strip. So that, that's, that's essentially what the, uh, the resolution was about. Unfortunately, just because, it, because it's the General Assembly, it's, it's not a binding resolution. If it had, if it had carried at the uh, Security Council, like the vote uh, last week, um, that, that's a binding motion. But last week, there was 13 votes in favour uh, with uh, one abstention, and then the veto power of the US blocked that resolution. All right. Um, the UN, the US uh, embassy, or the ambassador's residence, there was a Christmas party there this evening, which kind of has, has been uh, sucked into this. It became a point of controversy. What happened there this evening? Yeah, so, so there, was, there was a large protest outside the, the embassy this evening. Um, essentially, uh, there was, it was sort of brought to the, our people's attention this morning that the, this event was even on. Um, and during leaders' questions, uh, Richard Boyd Barrett raised it with a Taoiseach and he called for a boycott, essentially, of, of, this, of, this, uh, of, this, of this Christmas event. So TDs and senators <coughs> were all invited to, to attend, essentially, a, a Christmas evening with, with the US ambassador, Claire Cronin, uh, over at the, at the embassy in, uh, in Phoenix Park. So... There was a lot of no, a lot, no a lot of politicians did boycott the event. So as far as I'm aware, the people for profit did, Labour did. I'm not sure. I, I'd imagine Sinn Fein did as well, um, uh, and, and among other parties as right. well. But the Taoiseach came out earlier uh, in the day uh, and said that you know politicians are, are entitled to make their own decision, and he didn't he didn't agree with the idea of a boycott on it. Um, but he also you know sort of. Um, he 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 was sort of negative about the US and their vetoing of the of that UN res, UN Security Council resolution last week. So essentially, was that there was a large protest outside this evening, okay. and, you know, calling calling for for a ceasefire. Now, Louise O'Reilly, did you did you, Sinn Fein uh, support the the boycott of this event this evening? No, I'm not sure there would have been a massive amount of uh, Sinn Fein TDs there in any event. I've certainly never gone to it, so I think it would be unfair of me to claim a boycott for an event I had no intention of going to. Have never gone to, uh, and don't intend to go to, uh, to in into the future. So is that a principal issue or just? No, a, it's not. No, well, it's, the fact uh, that you're here would have precluded it anyway. Um, but what yes, about your indeed. colleagues? And I, I, I like to keep every evening free column in case I, I get a phone call from the late debate, as you know. <laughs> but uh, no, I, to be serious, I, I'm, I'm not aware that any of I, I don't believe any of my colleagues have uh, attended. And I think, particularly given the the week that is in it, I'm not sure that it would have been. Um, that people would have had a massive interest in in going, given the theme for the evening. Um, I, you know, I know that the, I know that there was a, a large protest outside, and also let's be honest, like there's large protests on the streets um, of Dublin, Cork, and and Limerick and other places every single week now because uh, people are we are watching a genocide unfold in front of our eyes, and it is being televised, and it is absolutely horrific, and I think. Everybody needs to be, you know, putting as much pressure as we can 
in every area that we can for people to shout and shout loud for a ceasefire now. And we saw that when there was a temporary pause, I mean, that was by no manner of means good enough, but at least when there was a temporary pause, aid could get in, uh, fuel to, to, to power hospitals could get in to, to Gaza. What's happening at the moment is absolutely horrific and barbaric and we are watching it unfold on our television screens, on our telephones. Right. And it, I cannot understand why we cannot speak with one clear international voice and say ceasefire, ceasefire now. All right, Pauline, all right, this is one of the few issues I think that there has been a relative degree of political unity on this. Ireland was uh, a co-sponsor of the Security Council motion, I think, was it, uh, last week, along with the United Arab Emirates, um, which, was, which uh, as Tyg said, w- was voted down there. But when the US... Uh, Austria, Czechia and a number of other countries uh, vote against the UN General Assembly uh, resolution. Is Ireland disappointed? Um, Very disappointed and I think particularly, you know, given our links uh, as a country with the US, um, I think it's deeply uh, concerning that um, we're we're so divided on this issue. I think that it demonstrates that the veto is is not something that um, is serving the, serving the globe well. Um, that that a, a country can come and veto action that the vast majority of countries and states are in favour of, and that's a ceasefire. Um, it's Does Joe Biden have a blind spot on this personally? Because you know, eighteen thousand two hundred and five Palestinians have been killed since October seventh started, um, and it's estimated around 60% of them are, are civilians. Yeah, and, and 2 million people displaced, almost 2 million people displaced as well. And, and uh, the, the really um, difficult circumstances now that people are finding where, you know, disease is spreading, um, it's, it's just absolutely unconscionable. And so I can't speak, obviously, for the man himself, but I think it's really difficult to understand how anybody could watch that amount of um, misery and death and unspeakable things in in the region and and not be moved and not call for a ceasefire and and not be really firm on that. Like temporary suspensions are just not enough and it it does really feel like... um, you know, even the temporary suspensions was quite difficult to get uh, for for the US to even stand up and agree to that um, because the argument was that it it allows um, Hamas to to grow. uh, And, and, you know, this isn't about Hamas anymore. This is about massive civilian deaths. And so I find it, I think Ireland finds it very difficult. And, And Ireland is one of four countries to um, to call for that uh, ceasefire as well. Um, Matt, Matt Shannon, t- um, obviously the, the the events that began this particular phase of things was the uh, the killing of twelve hundred uh, Israelis on October seventh um, by Hamas and other associated militants that came out of the Strip. Three hundred around three hundred military and and, and nine hundred civilians amongst those, and also uh, the abduction of of two hundred and forty people. Now this resolution this evening called for the release. Um, of all hostages, it seems on the face of it strange that the the United States and indeed a number of European countries couldn't support a resolution like that when it includes a call for the release of hostages. I think there's probably a little bit of movement from the US side. I think I saw 
President Biden, uh, just before the vote there tonight, say that the international, that Israel was losing the support of the international community. Maybe it came uh, post that vote. I just saw it as I, I was coming. Yeah, he made those remarks this afternoon. I, this yeah. afternoon, was it? But I think what was interesting too was uh, the Haaretz newspaper in Israel during the week published a report and they were outlining, you know, talking about plans. What is the end plan for the Israeli government here? And, and basically what they were saying is that you were going to create, uh, and absolutely it will, create thousands of jihadis who are going to, you know, for the future want to see the destruction of Israel. Now we have, uh, you know, our own history in this country which tells us at the end of the day you've got to sit down and you've got to try and talk and you've got to try and build bridges. I think there's, we know there's a right-wing government in Israel at the moment. It, it, there's a fair a possibility that elongating the war is politically beneficial to them. I don't know. But I think the one thing that is certain is that the political tide, I think, is moving. The international tide is moving and I think Israel is going to find it very hard to continue its ground operations it's presently doing. Uh, Tyg, there's another issue that has come up in the course of this conflict and that's violence on the West Bank. The government heretofore has said that it wouldn't back a piece of legislation which is the Occupied Territories Bill and uh, which covers uh, it's an effective boycott of goods that are associated with or manufactured on on the illegal territory or the illegal settlements on, on the Occupied West Bank. But there was a move uh, in recent days where the Taunashta talked about uh, another proposal perhaps to freeze the assets uh, or in, in put in a travel ban on people engaged in the violence there. Yeah, so this came up at the, at the EU Foreign Affairs Council meeting, I think it was yesterday, um, where essentially the, ta- the Taunashta was over um, and he spoke to reporters and essentially said that, you know, one of the things that he would be proposing uh, at that meeting was for a round of sanctions against these Israeli settlers, uh, the violent, what he, what he called is uh, violent extremist Israeli settlers in the West Bank. Um, he essentially, he said that he wanted to see it done on an EU level, that the government have kind of, since this, uh, since the conflict broke out, the, gov- the government have had the line of, if we're going to do sanctions, if we're going to look at sanctions, we need to be doing it on an EU-wide basis. But there's, there is a bit of a break here where, you know, because they're individual settlers and there's a list, there, the EU is currently drawing up a list of the people who are involved in the, um, sort of the, violent, settle- the violent settling of the West Bank. There, it's possible for the Irish government to act unilaterally on this, where they can institute travel bans against these people. They can prevent them from entering the country. Um, so that's essentially what Michal Martin had proposed, and, and he, he had said that he wanted to see if he could explore explore it at the EU level first. And in in the interim, since that meeting took place, uh, the EU's high representative on foreign affairs, Joseph Borrell, has since said that he is drawing up a list and he, he will uh, bring proposals to the EU Foreign Affairs Council about. Uh, you know, a potential travel ban or, or or additional sanctions against these settlers. All right, um, Pauline O'Reilly. It, it is. It seems to be a departure, though, uh, in in approach from what has greeted the Occupied Territories Bill and this proposal to put in uh, travel bans and asset freezes on individual uh, settlers who've been engaged in violence in the Occupied Territories. Why the departure? I mean. Look, for for my part, I've always been very supportive of the Occupied Territories Bill, and um, and it, you know it's 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 challenging, um, but I think that what you know, the the argument in the past has always been that it needs to be done on an EU basis for trade reasons, for you know, um, for for EU trade rules. You sound a now, bit sceptical. Well. You know, I mean, um, a, lo- this, a lawyer myself, I would say that you, you find you find two lawyers and you get two different opinions. So I think that um, people do have different views on that. But um, 
I think that they're trying to find, in my view, they're trying to find a way through that where they can still hold on to that belief that if it's if it's an overall um, trade ban, that it would have to be done at an EU level. Okay. And so they're looking at, at something which is more on an individual basis. Well, I think we need to remember <clears throat> our own history uh, in this regard. You know, I mean, back in it was 1984 when, when Mary Manon refused to handle South African fruit, that push in train and there were people like as Pauline is doing now saying not now and not right now and maybe sorry, what, exactly, part of the, the exactly European sorry your, your, your government are saying not now and maybe we need to do something else and maybe we need to wait just as they, they kicked John Brady's bill on the occupied territories uh, they, they, they kicked that to touch for I think it was nine or twelve months back in May but I think we need to kind of look back because, you know, if you if you read the history of that time and, and you talk to anyone who was around, they will tell you there were plenty of people saying, oh, sure, we're only a small country. We can't do anything. And yet that leadership was provided. We became the first country to uh, boycott South African goods. And, you know, we were part of a massive international movement. We provided that leadership. I think people want to see the same coming from our government. Right, there's two, we, op- we, two we, opportunities because there's two bills on the order paper that they could take and, and, and run with, um, you know, or indeed write their own We also made We also made our own trade decisions at that point in a more... Things in a, in a more completely shifted at they this ha- point. Well, they I, have I think completely shifted. Look, to be, to be fair, and, and I the, have the said that leadership, I think, is, 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 is important to, to reference it and I think when you know there were plenty right. of naysayers at the time but the okay. people who were very concerned about v- this very, pushed ahead very and briefly they, they Pauline generated and that support. Uh, we do have to move on. I said I'm completely supportive of the Occupied Territories and what, what I'm most particularly supportive of is something that's going to work and that I think to be fair um, to the Taunashta is what he's trying right. to do at this point and I don't think anybody across the globe could say that Ireland is not trying to do everything it can to be supportive right. um, and to try and end this, uh, this war. Do you yeah, see I a shift? Do you welcome I, I, it? I think the work at the Security Council is showing that Ireland is certainly trying to uh, play its part. And I, I think that we're better off inside the tent trying to work with all of the countries of Europe and around the world uh, to try and force pressure here than we can force on our own. I think it's uh, done stores is a longer time ago, uh, very different politics to today. I think we're in a, we're in a European we framework. We've, we've had people calling for the expulsion of ambassadors and all of that and uh, and immediately after that hostages were released. So I think, you know, I think I'm not saying that I'm supporting government on everything, but on this I think we're doing probably quite a lot and I think uh, seeing uh, Ireland being part of two resolutions at the UN shows that we are fighting well above our weight in terms of trying to uh, get some ceasefire action. All right, well, we're going to go to something where there's an, an another area where there's difficulty building consensus. That's COP coming up after this. The Late Debate with Colm Mungan on RTE Radio 1.